What's going on, traders? Welcome to the SPACs Attack, where we talk everything SPACs. And if you're a big SPAC fan out there, let me get a big thumbs up to start the show. And welcome to the SPACs Attack. What's going on, traders? How we doing out there? Let's go ahead and bring on my brains to the show. Chris Ketchy. What's going on, Chrisopedia? What's going on, Mitch? I, I mean, it, it's a red, red, red day out there all of a sudden. You, so... We kind of knew. You didn't, you didn't yeah. see? We got the memo. We're wearing red, right? We're wearing red, so we sent the market down. So sorry, everyone out there. Mitch and Chris both wearing red. That can only mean one thing, wow. that bad wow. things are going wow. to happen in the market today. But there's still some stuff to talk about, right? We we did have a deal announced today. We, we've got some headlines. And then we've got another exciting interview, right? One of the things about SPACs is there, there's so many of them, right, Mitch? There's hundreds and hundreds. So how do you go about, you know, investing in SPACs, finding the right ones. So we have a SPAC ETF coming on today, uh, SPAX. It's a newer one. And this one, you know, using that arbitrage uh, strategy, right, of, you know, uh, they're not going to return, you know, 100%, but they're going to have positive returns because they're going to capitalize on that money, the difference when these shares are trading under $10. So excited to dive into that a little bit later on the show. Definitely. We're going to get in towards that. We've talked about a Canadian ETF. Why don't we get into a United States ETF? That's what we're going to talk about today. But let's go ahead. Let's get into like everyone likes to do and get into some headlines. What do you got for me, Chris? Take me on back. All right, guys. Yeah, not a ton to get into today. Like I said, uh, a lot moving down. But uh, let's get into our, our headlines and then that deal announcement. So up first, we have App Harvest. That's A-P-P-H. This was one of our movers yesterday. So the news out yesterday from the company was that they hired Amazon veteran Mark Keller as the senior vice president of software applications. So Keller worked on Amazon Web Services for nine years and also helped launch uh, Amazon's Kiva Robotics Sortable Warehouses. So that's a pretty big hire for them, right? Remember, App Harvest recently made an acquisition in the robotics space. So I think this will help, you know, with the integration. And, and then also the company out with news today um, that they received a financing arrangement of $91 million. So that money is going to be used to support their Kentucky facility that's already under construction. Remember, we had App Harvest on uh, a couple times, and that's one of the big things, right, is growing the, the number of locations they have that indoor farming. Up next, we have Strive Foods. That's S-N-A-X, recently de-SPAC'd. This is one that I own. The company announced that they added more than 4,000 new convenience store and retail locations. So that addition brings them close to a 30,000 store milestone for Strive Foods brands. The expanded distribution includes 7-Eleven, Circle K, uh, and Wawa. Um, so again, they also grab some Costco business centers and some Smoothie King franchises. You know, this is a big deal for the company. They surpassed 25,000 in April and now nearing 30,000 with the addition this is one of my favorites, uh, you know, later on this year, I think we see the Justin uh, Hebert uh, partnership and marketing campaign really kick in during the NFL season. So keep an eye out, S-N-A-X. Then we have Velodyne, V-L-D-R. Company was granted a U.S. patent titled Integrated Illumination and Detection for LiDAR-Based 3D Imaging. No surprise, a lot of these LiDAR companies have many, many patents, but remember with so many available LiDAR options out there, you know, securing differentiating patents could be a key to securing, you know, contracts with some of these auto companies. So keep an eye out, VLDR, we'll have to see how valuable that patent, you know, is to the company. And then we dive into some analyst notes out there. So up first we have ticker UP, this is Wheels Up. 
Jeffries initiating coverage with a buy rating and a price target of $13. Um, you know, up was one of those ones that saw that huge first day move um, as a low flow, heavy redemption stock. Uh, you know, now it, it looks like we're, we're down under $8, but, you know, the analyst out with the $13 price target today. Then we have Body, B-O-D-Y, Guggenheim initiating uh, coverage with a buy rating, a price target of $15. Uh, remember that, uh, you know, Body is one that Mitch and I have both mentioned several times. This could be a, a COVID play, a workout at home play, a you know, uh, getting your your body ready for wet, uh, wedding season. Keep an eye out. They also had some news out today on the mixed fitness bike, uh, the second version being available. And we have Astra Space ASTR getting a buy rating, a thirteen dollar price target from Deutsche Bank. So the analysts talking about you know the the large number of private rocket launch companies, but Astra having a differentiating factor focusing on low-cost, small rockets and associated infrastructure. I uh, think that the team can garner a, a $1 billion valuation. Um, so again, $13 price target there from the analyst. Then we have CCIV, uh, you know, LCID, the new ticker. Uh, this is one of the things that I had talked about before is, you know, these share redemptions, right? So normally when shares are trading under $10, we get a lot of, uh, you know, redemption going into the vote period. CCIB was trading around $21 and over 21,000 shares were redeemed at trust or around $10 per share. So again, guys, make sure you know uh, how to complete the SPAC redemption process, how to do the vote, or you could end up losing profits um, you know, by redeeming the, these valuable shares at the $10 level. And yesterday, Ride, R-I-D-E, was moving. Uh, company received $400 million equity investment. Um, you know, this could be enough to help them get over this hurdle that they have uh, of needing financing to bring the endurance pickup truck to market. Um, but I'm not sure if this is enough. We do have shares moving down today. Um, I really think Ride needs to partner um, you know, with a, a automaker to uh, get the business going here. Then some votes set. We have August 11th, GRNV with Hellbiz, NBA with Airspan Networks, and August 12th, Ajax with Kazoo. So three more August votes that we will add to our calendar again. August, you know, going to be just like June and July where we have lots of votes and we also get lots of earnings from those DSPAC companies in the month of August. And then our movers yesterday, uh, the two new debuts, we had Lucid Motors LCID up 10.6% and Microvast down 12.6%. Um, so quite the differentiating moves for, for these two former SPACs, um, both down today with the rest of the market. Then our one deal today, we have MACQ, which is an advertising company that uses Machine learning, um, this is Adherent uh, announcing this SPAC deal, valuing the company at $775 million. One of the pipe investors is Palantir. Palantir quickly becoming a favorite in the SPAC market and investing in several pipe deals. Public MACQ shareholders are going to own 29.7% of the company after the merger. That's a pretty high amount due to the lower valuation. So Adherent uses machine learning and artificial intelligence um, to do digital advertising, targeting that growing market. Um, they work with some of the, the top consumer brands. I mean, AbbVie, Capital One, Home Depot, Progressive, Sanofi, McDonald's, over 280 customers that represent annual spending of $500,000 or more. Um, digital media spending is expected to pass $171 billion in the U.S. Programmatic digital spending, $90 billion this year, with growth seen at 17.6% annually. Uh, they're going to use the funds from the SPAC deal to help with their growth plans, which really targets international expansion, 
and acquisition. So the European market is a $48 billion market that they currently are, are not huge in. So that could be a key catalyst for the company. Adjusted revenue for the company was up 34% in the first quarter. They're estimating 2021 revenue of $102 million. And uh, they had revenue of $78.9 million in fiscal 2020. Company is, has positive EBITDA with margins nearing the 30% mark. Um, so again, real revenue, real profits for this company. One to watch for sure, MACQ. That's what I've got, Mitch, for headlines and that deal. Uh, anything jump out to you? You know, obviously, I was a little surprised that we saw 21,000 shares of Lucid redeemed for $10 at the merger vote, guys. Uh, again, if, if you're not sure, check with your broker, ask for advice, because I'd hate to see people miss out uh, on those gains there. Yeah, that just goes to show you that some people aren't looking and understanding the SPAC game. And that's what we're here for, right? I mean, that's what the show is really all about, to kind of teach you guys the information that you guys need to be so you guys can be informed traders. Like we're saying here, if the price is above $10, you might not want to redeem your shares, seeing as you're just handing money to thin air. So let's not do that one. Let's try to figure this out, guys. If you don't understand what's below me here, ask questions. Ask questions. I'm sure you'll get some answers. You can always reach out to Chris on his Twitter, at Chris Ketchy. You can reach out to me or just reach out to Benzinga. Straight up to Benzinga. Let them know, hey, I'm wondering. I have these at these. We're not financial advice, but we definitely will probably lead you at least to a resource that you can learn it for your own. All right, let's go ahead. Let's move forward. One of the things that I wanted to talk about in your news, one name did catch my uh, my what name here. what name is that and that's just because uh, i'm gonna i'm a hungry guy man and and snack snack with the partnership in wawa if you don't know what a wawa is guys go down to the south i was gonna say from your, some... from your florida <laughs> days i know when i've gone on vacation in florida that's how i know the wawa name <laughs> i mean uh you know mitch I, I i continue to like this name right and i am long s-n-a-x but it's it's protein foods, right? It's almost like beef jerky, but it's supposed to be better for you. And now, you know, they're growing brand awareness, but now they're going to be in more retail stores. That's how you get your product out there, right? And let's face it, when we've been to a 7-Eleven, a Wawa, you know, there's those impulse purchase items, you know, last minute up by the register. If Strive can get their brands up there, I think that could really help them moving forward. And then, of course, they have Channing Tatum and Justin uh, Hebert to uh, help with the marketing, uh, you know, going forward. So uh, and there's a lot of Wawa fans in the I'm chat. I'm telling you. I didn't know there was Chris, that many Wawas. Chris, someone I, needs to take Wawa public. You know, it is a name that gets tossed around. I hear Publix mentioned more. I know that's a Southern brand, too. Ooh, um, a grocery Publix. store that I went to down in Florida as well. But, yeah. I, I mean, I, I like this deal today. Both have good subs. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead. Let's move forward. As you guys can tell, Mitch is hungry today, so he's talking some food a little bit. But let's take a quick look here at our watch list before we get into our interview today. You know, we've been seeing outlets starting to push on up. We've got a couple of names in the green. Let's go into the red because, you know, today is that kind of red day. Let's see what opportunities are out there, right? So yesterday we talked about FF. IE and look at this turnaround that we've been getting. You know, this is the stock that was for a little bit pushing on up there. If you guys saw that, it ran up to 17, 17s almost twice here. This one was a high exactly at 17 and a quick rejection. Now back down towards these 11s. Let's see if by any chance we do get underneath 11 because if this one can make it back to 10, definitely one that I'd be looking for uh, trying to make an investment in, in, in a kind of a long term approach. FFIE. Not a bad trade. What are you thinking here, Chris? Let's go ahead and name one more before we get in our interview. Yeah, you know, the other ones I would watch, maybe uh, LEV, Lion Electric. Uh, yes. You know, they yes. they have electric buses. They also have some exposure to, to semis, right? And one of the mm -hmm. big news items yesterday, Mitch, I know I heard you talk about it on Money, Mitch, and, and also this morning, right? Tesla earnings report, they pushed that semi back 
2022. I think that's going to create some opportunities for other EV players to to maybe push their semis forward, hopefully. So LEV is one that I'm watching in that space. Definitely, definitely one on my radar. Also, if we've seen, we've gotten multiple lows in the area. So that's what I've been looking at, kind of this area that we've been going off of. And if you look also on the monthlies, and I can show you that look that the reason why I'm also approaching this is look, this is where I'm drawing this line and approaching that monthly low, trying to get it off that monthly low so that I could see it come back towards, let's say, 22s. And I do like this name as we can get back down there towards that level. And then you can hold maybe a risk off of some of these wicks. We'll see if that one kind of makes a move. Lion Electric has got a lot of deals lately. Um, I know in Canada and a lot of uh, kind of bigger deals. I, I'm expecting to see more school bus deals keep coming out. So, For sure, for sure. We'll see how that one kind of moves. All right, let's go ahead and get into our time where we unlock some SPACs, guys. We're going to get into another great interview like we do. Today is going to be about an American ETF. You know, we've talked about a Canadian one before, but I'm going to let – Chris, take the lead here on the Robinson Alternative Yield Pre-Merger SPAC ETF, SPAX. Definitely, guys, if you guys want to check out that chart, also go to the website. You guys can see it in the description below so that you guys can maybe check out some of the holdings, what it has while the interview is going on. So I'll let you do the introduction, Chris, and do your thing. All right, guys. Yeah, super excited. Joining us on SPACs Attack today, we have Jonathan Brown. He's the Portfolio Manager at Robinson Capital. Robinson Capital recently launched the Robinson Alternative Yield Pre-Merger SPAC ETF. That ticker is SPAX. Jonathan, welcome to SPACs Attack. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Awesome. So let's dive right in. Before we get into the questions on the ETF, just wondering if you can share with our viewers what your background is in the financial industry. Yeah, so I've been in the uh, finance industry or asset management industry for about 14 years. Um, Started off at a financial tech company that, um, you know, really served as a consulting and, and research platform for um, asset managers, hedge funds, um, plan sponsors, uh, government agencies, you name it. Uh, from there, I went to work at a, uh, a, a global asset management firm um, located in Pittsburgh. Uh, I, was a, I was an equity analyst and associate portfolio manager on, on several uh, multi-billion dollar uh, multi-asset class portfolios. Uh, after that, I uh, joined Robinson Capital here, which is a boutique investment shop that focuses primarily on traditional and alternative fixed income solutions. Um, you know, I really spend most of my time on the alternative side. We have several mutual funds that that pre- predominantly focus on on uh, closed end funds and and taking advantages of the inefficiencies in that space. Um, you know. That alternative fixed income lens really is what drove us to the SPAC market, which, you know, we quite frankly, more specifically, I should say the pre-merger SPAC uh, market. And, and, you know, we, you know, we would go as far as to say that the pre-merger SPAC offers one of the most attractive risk versus return profiles that 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 I've ever seen out there from an from an investment standpoint. And so we think that, you know, while they've uh, you know SPACs have generally been viewed through the you know more sort of common uh, you know ability to access private companies you know along with the institutions we really think that um, you know looking at the pre-merger SPAC universe should really be viewed for, through an alternative fixed income lens perfect yeah so you know uh, give us the background here why a, a SPAC ETF and maybe break down exactly what that means, pre-merger SPACs and, and this fixed income, uh, you know, alternative asset investment strategy? Yeah, sure. So just to start, why an ETF? Um, you know, back when there were 50 to 100 SPACs um, to choose from, it was a little easier to, you know, really go in and dig deep and figure out, you know, a, you know, what 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 are they trading at relative to trust value? And then, you know, just as important, if not more important, 
it was much easier to evaluate, you know, the sponsor, you know, what was their track record as a capital allocator? Is it someone that's done this, been in private equity? Do they have a history of bringing, you know, successful companies public? Or is it just someone that, you know, so, saw a, you know, sort of easy way to potentially make some money? And so, well, that was, that was, you know, sort of feasible back back then. Now we have over 420 SPACs currently looking for a merger target, which makes it much more difficult to go through and really understand, you know, the sponsor pedigree. You know, what are they trading at, um, you know, relative to trust? You know, am I looking at the right trust value, et cetera? So we think the ETF um, option provide, you know, provides professional management. I mean, all we're doing all day is 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 looking at, at, at these SPACs and analyzing them. Um, so you get you get a professionally managed vehicle um, in a liquid ETF structure, which, you know, we think is extremely compelling. Awesome. So, you know, uh, I have to mention we do have some other SPAC ETFs out there. You know, I know that this one is focused on the pre-merger side of things. Can you just maybe break down how this SPAC ETF could be, you know, different from some of the competition that is currently on the market? Yeah, so so we're different in the fact that we are the first um, active manager of, of, of SPACs that it, that invests solely or exclusively in pre-merger SPACs. A pre-merger SPAC is is simply a SPAC that has yet to complete a business combination, right? Um, you know, there's a there's a couple other SPAC ETFs out there. As you mentioned, some, uh, I, I know at least one one is passive, one's active that invests in both pre and post merger uh, SPACs, and then there's another one that invests primarily in pre merger SPACs, but they do have the latitude to you know invest in post merger SPACs, and 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 they have in the past. And so, you know, when I say we're the only one that invests exclusively in pre merger SPACs, what's important to understand is we are so passionate that this is the right way and the right area in the SPAC market to invest in that we've hard coded that language in our prospectus that we will not and cannot invest in post-merger SPACs. So um, again, that's really the differentiator um, is that we've, we've, we've gone as far as to sticker that in our prospectus. Perfect. So, you know, you mentioned active, you mentioned passive. Can you break down, you know, uh, you know, obviously with the number of deals we get announced each week, um, you know, and the moving merger deals, why is active so important, um, you know, for a SPAC ETF on the market? Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, with 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 the deal with new SPACs A coming to market, um, and and B with with merger announcements happening almost on a daily basis. I mean, if you look back over the past, you know, six plus months, um, you know, you've averaged almost a deal announcement a day, right? And so, um, if you have a diversified portfolio of SPACs, obviously, you're you need to make sure that you're monitoring, you know, what deals get announced, and and if if you see a you know, pop in the share price. Um, a lot of times that corresponds with an increase in, in volume as well. And so, you know, it's prudent to, to, to stay active. And, you know, our, our view is if we can invest in a portfolio of, of these SPACs that are trading below trust value, said another way, have a positive sort of yield to maturity or yield to worst. If we can monetize, you know, any sort of deal announcement, we see a pop in the share price, which we, you know, frequently do. Um, you know, and then rotate back into a another SPAC that is yet to find a merger uh, target that's trading below trust value. Not only have we locked in, you know, gains, but we're also protecting our investors' downside. And as fixed income managers, it may not always be the most, um, you know, exciting thing to talk about, but we know that our job is to protect our clients' principal. And so if we can take advantage of those gains and then also, you know, rotate those into names that are trading below trust value or have yet to find a merger target. Um, you know, we're, we're going to do that, you know, do that trade all day. And we think that our, our investors are going to benefit, you know, materially over time um, with that strategy. Perfect. Yeah. I, I want to stick with that topic here. Um, 
you know, so uh, in the past, we saw these huge pops, you know, on deal announcement or even on deal rumors. How how do you kind of, you know, uh, balance that if, you know, a, a stock pops on a rumor, you know, are, are you apt to sell uh, part of the position, the whole position, and, and then the same, you know, when the SPAC deal is announced, you know, are, are you comfortable exiting a position, you know, as you said, to, to take some gains rather than waiting to see if it goes higher for, uh, you know, later on in the life cycle? Yeah. And so, I, you know, I think there's there's a couple things to unwrap in, in that question. And, and the, the, the question or the answer is not entirely straightforward. So it's going to be dependent on what else is available out there. So from an active portfolio management standpoint, you know, and again, approaching this through a fixed income lens, um, you know, if we see if, if we, you know, own own a name that announces a merger target and we, you know, we see a, you know, three, five, 10 percent pop. And we have a handful of other names that are trading at, you know, three and a half, four percent below trust value. Well, then, you know, it, it may behoove us to go ahead and, and lock in those gains and again, protect that principle. Um, so it's going to be on a case by case basis. And quite frankly, it's also going to be dependent on, you know, what other alternatives are, are, are out there. You know, are there other specs that we that are trading at attractive levels that have, you know, really, um, you know, solid sponsors that that we want to, you know, invest our capital with, then then, yeah, we may rotate on a three or five percent type gain. So it's going to be, you know, based it's going to be on a case by case basis. But, you know, again, you know, if we can constantly do that and, and you know, lock in those profits and, you know, see a large portion of our portfolio on any given year announce merger targets and see three, five, 10 percent type pops, um, you know, that's going to produce returns that most likely are going to be well in excess of any any other fixed income investment out there. And, you know, again, what, what's important to understand is, you know, right now you can buy the bottom 100 uh, SPAC common unit, common shares right now for $9 and 65 cents a year share. That's, that's about a quarter of the, the uh, pre-merger SPAC universe. What that means is, and, and that has an average remaining life of about 18 months. What that means is that your sort of worst case scenario or yield to worst, if, if, if none of these fine merger targets and everyone has to liquidate, which is, is, is highly, highly unlikely given any historical context, um, you're looking at a positive three and a half percent return over those 18 months. Or if you annualize that, that's around two and a quarter percent. That may not be, you know, extremely exciting, but when you compare it to, you know, other fixed income investments like the Barclays Ag is yielding 1.4%, 10 year treasuries at one, one and a quarter right now. You know, the Barclays one to three year, you know, credit index, which is a pretty good proxy, you know, right around that two year sort of maturity life that these SPACs have, that's yielding 0.3%. So if we can get you a two and a quarter, you know, yield to worse, worst case scenario, add in the fact that if any of these names announce a, a, a merger target and pop, you know, you have that that equity like sort of upside. We think it's a no brainer, extremely compelling uh, alternative to a traditional fixed income portfolio right now. And, and that's really how we view it. You know, again, it's it, it, it's a little different than, you know, the the traditional. Oh, let's let's look at this. Pri you know, this is a good private company. Let's chase it. That, that That's not what we're looking to do. Um, you know, we're really looking to, you know, manage the risk versus return. And 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 so that's that's sort of how we differentiate ourselves. Perfect. So I want to, you know, you mentioned in your uh, your wording, it says that it's pre-merger companies. I'm wondering if you can kind of, you know, just go into the the end of the life cycle. So, you know, some of the positions you exit on the rumor, some you exit, you know, on the deal announcement. But for those that you hold, um, you know, on a longer term after the deal has been announced, heading into the merger vote, you know, is that something where, you know, you may sell those shares before the vote or do the majority then get held, you know, to redeem for the, the trust value at the vote date? Yeah, great question. Um, and so this is this is actually another it's another form of, of alpha. So say we own a common, you know, common spec uh, ticker, we bought it at 965, right? 
tomorrow it announces a merger target market doesn't like the 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 announcement you know does, for whatever reason uh the stock doesn't pop and it, it trades at 970 again hypothetically um you know it, we a we could sell it for you know a small gain but realistically what that does instead of there being sort of 18 months remaining to earn that additional three percent what a merger what a merger does is generally it takes around six to eight months to to close a deal or till you know till we vote on the deal or you can redeem so ultimately that's a win as well even even a bad sort of deal you know pulls that 18 the ability to earn that extra three percent over 18 months and pulls it into being able to earn that three percent over say the next six to eight months which which again when you're comparing it to you know traditional fixed income products is 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 a pretty pretty good return profile so um, you know, if, if, if a name that we own doesn't pop and it's trading below trust value, um, you know, significantly below trust value and, you know, we'll, we'll hold on to that until the redemption um, and, and we'll look to redeem at trust value. Perfect. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying that. You know, that that's something we've seen a lot of, you know, with shares getting redeemed at the trust value with so many of these trading under $10 going into the vote. Uh, you know, there, there's hundreds and hundreds of SPACs out there. You know, obviously an ETF like this can own more positions than maybe, you know, the common investor like myself or viewers out there. But I'm guessing, you know, this this isn't Pokemon. You can't catch them all. How, how do you determine, you know, are, are you looking solely, you know, based on price below the net asset value? Are you looking at management teams? Are you looking at their past history of deals? I'm guessing a combination of all of those just kind of break down the the process of the selection. Yeah, no. We, so, so you're 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 exactly correct. We look at a combination of what we consider objective and subjective sort of factors. And so, from an objective standpoint, you know, we 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 monitor and rank all 420 or you know SPACs that are searching for a target by yield to maturity, right? That's nice and easy. You look at the you look at the price that it's trading at, the trust value, and then the remaining life, right? Um, so we have that that we're screening on, but you know, just as important is to really evaluate and sort of um, sort of rank the the probability or the expectation that the sponsor that we're investing in is going to be able to bring it is going to be able to uh, you know, announce a merger target and 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 truthfully, a a merger target that the the market finds finds interesting. Um, and so, a lot a lot of analysis is done on on all of the sponsors in general. So we'll go back and look at the sponsors' history. Okay, how many SPACs have they have they brought to market? How many have completed mergers? How many have announced mergers? How many are s still searching for mergers? What have the returns looked like after you know of each of those deals after the announcement? How have they looked after the complete, you know, completion of a merger, and and really try to understand, you know, what type of companies, you know, these 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 sponsors are bringing um, to market, and and what's the quality of those of those um, sort of companies that they're bringing to market, and so so we do analyze, you know, a, a, you know, each of the sponsors to really try to gauge an understanding of which ones we think are going to have the most success, and. You know, again, it's it's you know somewhat intuitive that you know the some of the sponsors that have a history of of being in private equity or or you know having successful SPACs are probably more likely to have success in the future than someone that really what hasn't been a capital allocator who's really just you know dipping their toe into trying to find a company but really doesn't have a, a track record. And so we do analyze that along with you know where they're trading relative to trust value in all of our investment decisions. Awesome. So, you know, one of the things we've seen with as the SPAC market continues to grow it is the SEC. So the SEC lately, you know, has been putting pressure on the SPAC market. You know, we saw this huge backlog of deals due to warrant reclassification. And, you know, now it looks like the SEC looking into some past deal announcements. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the, the SEC? Is there any concerns here that this could, you know, hurt the overall SPAC market? Or do you think some of these changes, you know, could be for the, the, the positive and could help, 
you know, investors really see that clarification, um, you know, up front from the companies? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's all part of the maturity process. So as we know, and, and your viewers know, um, SPACs have been around for a while, um, for many years, um, only until recently, you know, sort of post COVID, have they really come into their own? And, you know, I think COVID really helped accelerate that just given from a sort of technological advance, um, advancement of being able to, you know, bring private companies public without having to, you know, go through the cumbersome road shows, et cetera, the, the time consuming process. Um, in regards to the SEC with the warrants, you know, I think that was just a way for them to, without really putting hard restrictions on the SPAC market, a way for them to slow down the number of SPACs that were coming, you know, coming to market at the time. Um, you know, you were seeing anyone and everyone that could, you know, raise capital, you know, launch a SPAC. And, 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 you know, with that comes sort of froth and, and risks that the, you know, SEC is really trying to avoid. And so I, I think from the warrant standpoint, um, that was really just to slow, slow the pace of, of, of new SPACs coming to market. And I think it, you know, it was successful in doing that. Um, in terms of, you know, seeing, you know, SEC uh, coming down on some of these, you know, SPACs that have, have announced uh, mergers and, and, you know, looking at their, you know, projections. Um, you know, I, I think that that's healthy in, in the, the maturity process of, of, of the SPAC market. I mean, um, you know, again, the SEC is out there to sort of protect, protect the investors and make sure that, you know, the material, the information that's being presented is, is, is factual, right? And so if they're seeing instances where, you're seeing inflated or unrealistic numbers, and that's what you know investors are going off of. Obviously, that needs to be reined in. And so, you know, I think that some regulation is a positive, and and quite frankly, is just natural for the growth of of the SPAC market to continue. And and you know, we're we're of the opinion that the SPAC market's here to stay. Um, you know, it, there's there's efficiencies versus traditional IPOs, and and you know, different rationales for why that why that may be. And so. Um, you know, assuming it is here to stay, um, you know, the SEC needs to make sure that it's done in a a a sort of efficient or or um, reasonable manner. Yeah, definitely. You know, there there's positives, there's negatives, just like you know many investment options out there with SPAC. So one of the things we've we've seen recently is we've had. Um, over the last month or two, but recently, even in the past couple of weeks, we've had some deals called off. Um, so we saw PSTH, you know, announced that they would not be going after Universal, um, ACEV call off with Acronix, and then XPOA call off with Jam City. You know, if these were holdings in your ETF, does this cause any sense of, you know, uh, a red flag to you? Or is it something where, hey, they still have 12 to 18 months left? I'm going to trust the process that they're going to find a, a new target. Yeah. So, um, you know, one, this, the, 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 these types of instances are, are, are going to occur. Obviously, they're not positive for the, you know, for the market in general, if you start to see, you know, more and more deals sort of fall through. But, um, you know, this, this is, this is, these are some good cases into why we approach the space the way we do. So, um, you know, instead of chasing these, you know, and, you know, higher and higher when they're trading above 10 as they get closer, you know, this risk does exist. And so, you know, as, as, as I've stated before, you know, we're, we're trying to purchase these, these pre-merger SPACs at or below trust value. And once they announce a deal and, you know, hopefully see that nice, that nice pop um, in share price, in our opinion, that that's a good opportunity to sort of de-risk. Um, take some of those gains and then rotate them back into another spec that is yet to announce. And so, while obviously we could, um, you know, own names like this that that you know have a deal that that falls through, our process generally would would avoid this type of risk. Awesome. And then, you know, again, with the, the, the negative side of things, you, you dive into all these filings to make selections, you know, for the ETF. 
Is there anything that stands out as potential, you know, red flags or things that, you know, Robinson Capital would avoid, um, you know, in terms of maybe celebrities being involved, the amount of money going to a sponsor, um, you know, anything like that that would say, hey, we just don't want a, a part of this? Yeah, you know, I think the, 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 the sponsor themselves is probably the biggest sort of criteria red flag that we may have and and whether red flags the right word or not it, it goes into our decision making process so all things you know being equal if we have a proven sponsor versus a celebrity or someone that has no capital allocation experience and they're trading at the same you know same price and you know same other terms you know we're going to obviously go for for you know the sponsor that has the proven track record um so, you know, that's just part of our overall um, due diligence and process that that we that we do on on each and every spec. And so, um, you know, maybe not a red flag, but that's that's something we're going to evaluate for sure. Awesome. So we do have a, a couple questions here from the chat. But before we let you go, Jonathan, so uh, this first one uh, coming from Solar Up saying, uh, is SPACs offered SPAC positions at net asset value or is it buying shares after the offering? So are, is Robinson Capital involved at all, you know, in the IPO process of accumulating these units or is this strictly, you know, once the shares hit the public market or a combination? Yeah, so a combination. So, uh, you know, right now we're less inclined to um, participate in any new IPOs just because, you know there are a significant number of of specs who have who have been around for three, four, five, six months already. Um, that their units are trading below that initial ten dollar IPO price. So why pay ten dollars for an IPO when you can get it for less? Um, but to answer the question, yes, we we have or and we can participate in IPO. So if we see the spec market start to um, you know, perform, maybe it doesn't have to be like, you know, to the extent it was last year, or earlier this year. But if we see, you know, SPACs start to perform and, you know, units and commons are trading, you know, at or north of $10, you know, there's 300, 300 other SPACs, you know, waiting on the sideline right now to go public. My suspicion is once we start to see prices drift towards that 10 or above, you're going to start to see those, those come to market. Right. And so, in those instances, we absolutely will participate in the IPO market. And, and you know, given our, our alternative fixed income, you know, background, we have a lot of trading relationships um, that, that allow us to source, you know, IPO shares. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's something that we definitely anticipate in the future uh, participating in. As of right now, um, it's, it's more prudent and beneficial to just participate in the secondary. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would have to agree with that. Um, uh, uh, last question here I've got from the chat. We've got Carl, uh, a loyal viewer, saying, I noticed the ETF has bought a lot of units. Could he explain the reason? So, you know, is, is this common where you're you're buying the units and holding onto the units? Or do you split to common and warrants or, or do a combination of, you know, both mechanisms here? Yeah, so we 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 own both commons and units. Um, again, you know, our 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 view is that if we can purchase the units at or you know even below trust value, for example, we've we've purchased units at at nine ninety five. Um, you know, we know that those warrants have value, and and as as they you know as as they announce merger targets, those those warrants have you know significant upside potential, and so. We are evaluating the commons versus our expected, you know, sort of unit return, which is the combination of the commons and warrants. And, and that's really what makes up our investment decision. And so, again, if we can buy the units below $10 a share, um, we think that there's there's more there's more upside potential uh, given given the commons and the warrants uh, than potentially buying just just the commons. But again, we're evaluating that on a on a SPAC by SPAC basis. Um, you know, but again, if, if we can get those below trust value, then, you know, we, we think that's a pretty good value proposition. 
Awesome. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. You know, Jonathan, I, I want to thank you for, for taking the time to come on again. Jonathan Brown, the portfolio manager at Robinson Capital, that newer SPAC ETF is called the Robinson Alternative Yield Pre-Merger SPAC ETF. The ticker is SPAX. Jonathan, thanks so much for you know taking time out of your busy schedule and joining us on SPACs Attack today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. All right, guys. So, you know, you you heard it here on the show, another SPAC ETF, another way to play this market, right? Um, Pre-merger targets, you know, redeeming shares at merger if they're, you know, below $10. Also capitalizing on those gains, you know, when deals are rumored, deals are announced. Um, you know, Mitch, as I said, you know, going into this interview, you know, it, this isn't an ETF that's going to, you know, have 100% gains, but there's so much less risk involved, right? They, they've minimized the risk by going after these pre-deal, these pre these $10 or less SPACs where, where they have several opportunities to lock in gains. And as he said, you, you know, they're, they're worried about the shareholders, right? They're trying to find value for the shareholders. If that means selling out of a position on the rumor or the deal announcement to lock in gains, so be it. And, and I like that approach. You know, hitting singles, hitting doubles, not worried about home runs can be a valuable investment strategy. What What do you think, Mitch? Yeah, you know, one thing I, I clearly am seeing is that uh, there's somebody definitely interested. It looks like the volume jumped up today. So, you know, how I like to follow my volume. So I'll definitely keep this on watch. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely the arbitrage approach here, right? And so one of the things that I would state is understand that maybe this might be something more to have inside even in your SPAC portfolio. For moments like this, where you're seeing SPACs go down significantly, but you're not also seeing that same kind of price action in this ETF. Reason why is there's going to be that actively managed aspect of it, right? Coming in and out, trying to find the, the return for you. And so I think this is something definitely to for SPAC investors to think about adding to the basket to help yourself out in these volatile times when we do get these downturns in the market. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I think it's a good strategy. And we've heard that from several in the SPAC market, right, that that arbitrage opportunity is there. And, and you know, now you have a, a U.S. ETF taking advantage of that strategy. So I, I love the approach here. Um, you know, and also, again, there's hundreds and hundreds of SPACs out there. This gives you that nice basket, right? They're not all going to win. They're not all going to go, you know, up a ton, but you're going to get those positive gains from that investment strategy and the fact that it's an actively managed ETF. You know, in the SPAC market, I, you know, with so many deals announced, I think if you're a passive fund that rebalances quarterly, you might be missing out on some of those big moves and and maybe doing a, a a disservice to the investors in the ETF, you know, based on those moves. So, um, but another exclusive interview here on SPACs Attack. As promised yesterday, guys, uh, we want to do some ticker time. So go ahead, start dropping those tickers into the chat. Before we get into that, Mitch, anything you, you see moving or anything else on the watch list to to hit on today? No bueno, no bueno. <laughs> Going yeah, red. I, Going I, red. I, I'm still seeing Owlet, the biggest mover, but it's up 1.6. I think it was up 2.5 when we started the show. So even our top gainer is now dropping a little bit. Uh, I mean, uh, again. Even my light change colors, dude. <laughs> your like, light changed. We're red. We got red shirts. We got red lights. Yeah, there, there's not a lot of positive out there. Uh, again, guys, it, this is all about the long-term strategy, right? These SPACs are no longer having those one-day pops, uh, you know, so you, you got to pay attention to the chart and, and you got to pay attention to the, the long-term news story. So we got bark, bark. Bark, we got bark. bark out there. You know, Mitch, I heard you say that you don't use this product, but you've thought about that. I think that's going to be a key when they report their next earnings report, right, is how many members do they have? And also, how much are they spending in acquisition costs to get those customers? Mm -hmm. um, because that's a key, right? Are they gaining customers through marketing? Are they gaining customers through word of mouth? 
or are they having to spend and spend and spend to gain new customers? So that's going to be the key metrics I'm going to be watching in that earnings report next month. Yeah, there's a lot that we're going to be keeping on watch. Um, one that I'm definitely keeping on watch now uh, that has its vote tomorrow, Chris. Uh, tomorrow is going to be NEBC's vote. NEBC, guys, you know, is Nebula Carnival. Um, we're talking the Rovers back here. Uh, so we'll see how this vote comes through. Um, we're down towards 940s. So that's that's uh, a downturn right now. But there was a lot of volume that piled in on the 21st. There was 4.9 uh, 4.9 million shares traded there. I think someone definitely got probably stuck there. So when we get back up through that level, we could break out through that level. Um, maybe they do a little ad for the sell into the breakout. Uh, so pay attention towards this tomorrow as we get the, the vote news. NEBC. Yeah, I, that's I think a, the, the earnings should be well. I mean, I, I definitely think Rover has the demand. Yeah, that's a, a good point, Mitch. That vote being tomorrow, that does mean that you can no longer redeem your shares today. That's why we're seeing that drop. With, with that being said, I think we see heavy redemption on this one. Um, so we'll have to see because we might get a lower float, but... If this one pops, it could be a pair trade for BarkBox, right? Because we could see the demand for, for pets. So this this could be a good pair trade idea going into earnings. Yeah, well, I'll be paying attention towards this one. I mean, there's a couple votes coming up also. So uh, definitely keep your eyes on that one. I just think really quickly, I mean, if you look at the business itself, it should be thriving right now. Um, it should be a probably at its all-time best, I think, personally. Um, I think you're seeing a lot of people go on vacations. A lot of dogs need sitting. A lot of dogs need uh, overnight boarding. And they even do, uh, I think they, they're starting to dabble in grooming, just to give you guys some insight. Uh, they do have in certain cities. Um, so th they're dabbling into the different things like that. Um, with that being said, if a groomer can come to you, it's always going to be easier. I think this is something that a lot of pet owners kind of go through. Uh, whether it be actually getting their hair cut or it should just be doing their nails, right? Um, you know, dogs need their nails cut. And I think that's a, a benefit that could be coming to uh, a lot of people instead of you going to the pet store. Um, so just one more thing to add there. And, and who knows? Um, I think one of the things that Rover might do there is start looking at their pet sitters. And if they don't have certifications for these certain kind of uh, services, they'll go ahead and kind of offer it to them to give them the education so that when you go and you take your pet, they're able to actually groom your pet. Not only are you able to take care of it. So we'll see how that moves, but let's keep going. What, what are the stocks being mentioned in the chat? Let's see what we got here. Uh, Microvas was talked about on Wall Street Bet some today. Um, so let's take a look here, see how we're trading on it. We're definitely getting smashed down. So um, it, it's probably definitely in the oversold area and, and has some shorts being pushed down on it. So not a bad one to keep on watch, CR. Um, what I would do is I'd probably use an hourly chart and wait till I see a big green reversal. Um, like, you know, not, not talking about like this, something – where you get a big pop out from the trend. Um, so let's see what happens right now. We're still on this downtrend. Let's see if we break on 795. So $8 on the downside. And then we'll see if this can continue moving down or when it gets that pop back. Yeah, it's interesting if it is being mentioned on Wall Street bets. That I've seen some rumors out there uh, of some potential battery partnerships with some of these car companies. So, you know, this thing could just need some news. And, and the news yesterday, Mitch, I saw was that, again, it looks like the ongoing battle between Workhorse and Oshkosh for that USPS deal it is far from over. And if you remember, far. a couple of months ago, Microvast started trading down when the workhorse lawsuit kind of came out because Microvast is partially owned by Oshkosh. They have a relationship together. So it's well believed that Microvast could be involved with the batteries of that USPS contract. And with that said, if they don't get that contract and workhorse gets part of it, you could see some more pressure on Microvast. So watch that story as well. Yeah, we'll keep a watch. Um, you know, there's a lot of kind of plays that are getting hit hard. And one of the things that you need to understand is as a long-term investor, 
You got to give yourself an ability to not always get in fully in cash positions. Have yourself an ability to add some more to your positions so that you don't get caught on moves like this. Also, always consider the risk. Where is your stop out completely? Don't always just try to keep on adding, on adding, on adding, because at the end of the day, what you're going to get to is where you start really getting into the red. And that's not what the idea here is. It's okay to add on the position if that was your intended approach. I think that's that's something that definitely can be beneficial, but you can also definitely get caught. So that's uh, how it goes. Mitch, I'm seeing uh, Boris here mention uh, Catapult. KPLT, buy now, pay later. They have that agreement with a firm. I just looked up KPLT in Benzinga Pro, and guess what? They have earnings coming up, and that was not on my earnings calendar, so shout out to Boris here. I'm going to add that to our list here. August 10th, they have earnings. Now, Mitch, I called this one out a little bit ago due to the strong Wayfair earnings we saw, right? Mm -hmm. They have a partnership with Wayfair. If you go to Wayfair's website, you try to buy something, you don't have enough, you you try to get approved, um, and Catapult can help with that buy now, pay later. So if Wayfair had a huge quarter, that makes me think that Catapult's going to have a strong quarter. So that's in 10, or was it 10 days or 14? In 14 days on August 10th. This one, you know, it's got that downtrend, but I'm curious to see if we can get some momentum moving into earnings. Um, But, you know, this is one, again, I think, pay attention to the earnings report because we could see a strong quarter. What do you think, Mitch? Yeah, you got to pay attention to a lot of those. I mean, you're just pretty much telling me this is a layaway method for products that are online or high-priced products. So, I mean, yeah, not not a bad approach. I mean... Definitely going to probably making some consistent money once they get those deals, right? Um, that's that's that consistency in in the revenue. So we'll see when this one comes bouncing back. Uh, another one that is taking a beating today, mile down about two percent, starting to get back down towards that low. We'll see if it cracks that low. Remember, this one had a big couple bounces and it's gone all the way back down towards these levels right now, uh, pretty much the $7 level. Let's see if it holds 7 or it cracks that 7 If this one does crack down towards, let's say, $5, I'll definitely be interested in this one as it's an insurance play that I think in the long run will catch um, some sentiment just because I think what they're doing in insurance is going to catch on in the long run. All right, let's go ahead and catch up with the chat. What other ones being mentioned? Looks like uh, John Doe mentioning NRXP. Not even sure I know that one. Yeah, so NRXP was one of those sneaky biotech SPACs, right? Sneaky. Where, again, biotech, not my strong field, but this was one that was loved for a while, right? It, it traded, you know, strong into the merger vote day. I mean, Mitch, this thing traded... I mean, it looks like over $50, $60 at one point. Um, you know, obviously we had that big drop all the way down to it looks like $10. But now shares have some news out today, uh, emergency use authorization. So it looks like shares popping on that news here in Benzinga Pro. Um, so yeah, a, a biotech SPAC, um, always interesting to to see. And they are tied to treatments for COVID-19, which obviously we're seeing renewed interest in some of these COVID-19 plays with the new uh, Delta variant, um, you know, out here. Yeah, definitely. Pay attention to it, guys. Uh, This one coming down towards a monthly low. I see that candle at $12, but man, what a bounce back on this one. Uh, Those $10, sometimes you will get lucky uh, getting those down there by that $10 price point. Big push up today. We'll see if it gets to 22. 22 is going to be a big point price point when we get towards that level. But good call out, John Doe. Let's go ahead. Let's keep it going. Let's go towards one last stock here. Let me see what, what we're going to get into. Hmm. Let's get into, of course, Lucid. Lucid taking the down hit taking a down hit right now guys uh we had that quick turnaround from 29 now we're pulling back the question is does it hold 25 on pullbacks um i think that's definitely a healthy move right now 25 11 that's not the worst as long as it can hold that 25 i think this is still kind of in a bullish trend uh we'll see if this one can get back up there and get back up towards the 28 if not we could be heading back down closer towards 20s 
and then we'll see if it holds there and then comes back towards the trend. Uh, this is Lucid, just changed over from CCIV. And as you guys can see, we looked like we were getting on up there. And if you look at the weekly, it even looked a little bit nicer. But we're, we're just not holding these gains. Uh, you know, breakout through the 30s this week would have been really good for the stock. Would have gave it a really good plus side look. But if we go ahead and we crack down, back down towards 20, that's when you got to just be careful because this one could turn around. Yeah, definitely. Right. That's going to be it. Lucid, interesting, up double digits yesterday. But as I said, some profit taking there. And many brokers, you couldn't even trade those shares in the morning. So I think that's why that one started to fade into the end of the trading session and after hours and could be part of the reason why today, you know, along with the downtrend that that there's some profit taking for people that have been in that one, you know, under $20. But yeah, so that'll do it for today, Mitch. Uh, another great interview here. We, we've got some interviews coming up the rest of the week. And as always, we'll be covering the, the hot stories in the SPAC market here on SPACs Attack. As you guys can see, we're a little bit in the red. We'll see if we get to change over to that green tomorrow. If we wanted to change green, let's see. <gasps> can we go green tomorrow, guys? Can we go green? Give me a big thumbs up. Because guess what? The power hour is next. <gasps> Specs attack. <laughs>